Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Today we come to the third beatitude through this series that we've been teaching on from this great Sermon on the Mount, the introduction really to this wonderful message, this wonderful sermon that our Lord preached in Matthew's gospel chapter number five. Let's just read the scripture. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and then he began to teach them saying, The poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle, or the meek, are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called the sons of God. And those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together already. And it's just been good to be able to worship together, to be able to have a lesson with the kids today, to be able to hear this special, to be able to give of our tithe and offering, to be able to fellowship one with another, to be able to sing these wonderful songs of worship. And God, it's been good already just to be in your house today. And Lord, we're so thankful for our church and for our church family. And we just pray that your hand and your blessing would continue to be upon this ministry as we just strive as diligently as we know how to serve you, to teach and preach your word, and to minister to others. And and Father, we ask you that you bless Father, we pray that you bless now the teaching, the preaching, the understanding of your word today. Father, we're in total dependence upon you, and God, we need you. We need you to open our hearts and our minds to the word of God today. We need you to finger around in our hearts and show us areas in our life where we could improve upon. Today, we're going to be speaking on meekness, but there may be other areas that that you're going to you're going to point out in our life and help us to be sensitive to that even today. We ask your blessings on the remainder of this service. Help us now as we preach and understand and teach and hear what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The Beatitudes. I think whenever I started this sermon series, I shared with you that the Beatitudes are really more like attitudes. They're attitudes that we as believers or we as Christians should exemplify. Now, understand this. The only way we can live in the Beatitudes, the only way we can live out the Beatitudes, we must have an understanding that it's only done supernaturally. Okay? You can't do this in and of yourself. I can't do this in and of myself. I don't know how to be poor in spirit without the Holy Spirit showing me that and revealing that to me. I don't, I don't know how to mourn over sin without the Holy Spirit revealing that to me. And none of us know how to be meek without 
the Holy Spirit teaching us and showing us how to be meek individuals. As a matter of fact, these eight attitudes, if you will, or these eight beatitudes are really what marks the Christian. I mean, it really, it's really what sets the Christian apart. It's really life-changing for the believer. It separates the Christian from his culture. And whenever you look at a believer, whenever you look at a child of God and you watch their life from the outside, you should see some evidence of the Beatitudes in their life, right? Are you with me? Amen. Say amen or oh me, but, but hang on here, okay? I mean, there should be some evidence of the Beatitudes in and out of their life. Now, you know, none of us are perfect, and I know there's times in my life when I'm like, oh, man, I didn't exemplify the right spirit there. And you've got to ask for forgiveness of it and move on, right? So, but these should be gut checks for every single one of us. We should be able to look at these and do a, a gut check, do an inventory in our heart. The Beatitudes are the very best answer to what is a Christian. You know, whenever we ask the question, what is a Christian? I think I got a slide for that, Charlie. Whenever we ask a question, what is a Christian? The very best answer would be the Beatitudes. A Christian is one who, are, who, is, who is doing these eight different things, right? Poor in spirit. That's really where salvation is. When you realize that you're nothing apart from Christ, okay? Nothing to the cross I bring, right? There's nothing I bring. I just lay myself down at His feet. I repent. I ask Him to forgive me. And then there's the mourning that takes place. And last week we talked about the comfort that God brings in mourning. But the mourning that's taken, talking about there is talking about mourning over our sin. And then we get to the part of being meek. Listen, whenever we start exemplifying these things, I think it's a beautiful picture of what a believer and of what a Christian should be, right? Matter of fact, the Beatitudes, I believe, are the very best answer to the question. Someone who is poor in spirit, Jesus said, is a believer. Someone who mourns. Someone who is meek. Someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Someone who is merciful. Someone who is pure in heart. Someone who is a peacemaker. Someone who is persecuted for righteousness. Now let me tell you something. That's the complete opposite of what our culture teaches, right? We live in a culture that's all about good works and good deeds. And unfortunately, sometimes that philosophy seeps into the church. And we'll say, to be a good Christian, you must be faithful in church attendance. Now, is church attendance important? Yes, right? But it's not necessarily what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside of a believer. Hello? I mean, a lost person can come to church every time the doors are open and not be exemplifying the Beatitudes that Jesus said should be on the inward part of a man or a woman. Are you tracking with me? So it's not what we do on the outside. It's what we do on the inside. It's not what type of clothing you wear, right? Now, what does the Bible teach about clothing? It just simply teaches to be modest, right? But it's not if you're a Christian, you'll wear a shirt and tie. Well, I, would, I don't know that I'd probably only be a Christian just a few times in my life. I just don't enjoy wearing a tie. But I was raised in a culture that said, if you're going to be a preacher, you're going to wear a tie. And I did that until I got out on my own. And I started pastoring my own church. And I'm thinking, I don't want to wear a tie. I don't, I don't like them. I wear them on some occasions, right? But listen, it's not about how you dress. It's not about what you do. Okay? It's about who you are. 
It's not about the outside. It's not about a Christian and what you do on the outside. Listen, it's about who you are on the inside. That's what's important as a believer. So as we study the Beatitudes, I hope you can see that these are so essential and it's really where the spiritual life begins. So today we come to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5. It's the third Beatitude and Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle or blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Well, here we run into a problem. The reason we run into a problem here is because There's a huge understanding, or misunderstanding, I should say, on what the word meek means, okay? Some people get the idea that meekness means weakness, right? They have a hard time understanding what it means to be meek. Matter of fact, let's let's look in the thesaurus. I opened up the thesaurus this past week and pulled out a few different synonyms for the word meek. Listen to what it says. It says, to be humble... Docile, mild, calm, gentle, peaceful, tame, submissive, soft, spineless, passive, and broken. Now, some of those words are accurate. Some of those words are inaccurate whenever we bring it into the biblical text and really get an understanding of what it means. Some of those words are positive, but some of those words are not positive, right? So if we don't have a good understanding of what it means to be meek, we're going to have a difficult time living it out. We're going to have more of a difficult time even desiring to live it out unless we have a good understanding of what that word means. I went a little further into the thesaurus and some other resources and pulled out some illustrated phrases of what it means to be meek. Listen to this. These are some illustrated phrases from our culture on what it means to be meek, to eat dirt, to lick the dust, to cringe like a dog, to take it on the chin. Now let's put some of that into what Jesus said. Blessed are those who eat dirt. Right? No. Blessed are those who are spineless. Blessed are those who lick the dust. Blessed are those who cringe like a dog. Do you you understand now why the world has a difficult time understanding meekness? Right? I mean, because that's kind of the culture, how they define meekness. But Jesus has a, a completely different definition, really, for the word meek and what it means and what it looks like in our life. So let's try to define meekness if we can here. Meekness at best, and I'm going to try to cut through some of this because I've already expounded some on it with the kids and, and I think you've got a pretty good understanding on it of it right here. But at best, meekness is simply this. It's power under control. Okay? It's power under control. Meekness is not some spineless, weak individual. Meekness is a very strong person or individual that has brought their strength under the control of another. A great example of that for us that we can get our arms around and and we can see really a good definition of meekness would be a stallion. Now back in the day, actually before we had kids, I used to race horses. I raised Tennessee walking horses and they were show horses. And I had a colt and a yearling and, and, so, and a mare and so forth and so on. And we would bring the studs in and we raised these Tennessee walking show horses. 
Now, part of my job in raising horses was to break them so that we could ride them. And so I would get on these horses that had never been ridden before and we would tie them up in the stall and we would pull the harness really, really tight and we would, we would have them in a very narrow area and we'd put a saddle on them and let them see what it felt like to just have a saddle on their back. And for some, that was very, very difficult. But listen, I'm talking about very strong animals. Okay, these Tennessee walking horses, number one, are very high-spirited and they're extremely strong animals. But we had to harness the power of those horses for them to live out their purpose in their life, really what they were, really get the best out of them, so we thought. And that was to show them and make them the big walking horses. And most of you guys may or may not, anybody have a clue what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about walking horses. Okay. So that's kind of what they did. They did this prance. They, they would scoot their hind legs under you. They would pick up their front legs and they would throw them out there. And you could sit on this horse and ride it if you had it trained properly and drink a cup of coffee and never spill it. These, the saddle never moved on these horses. It was one of the softest, most pleasant rides. How many ever ridden a horse? How many have ridden what I'm talking about type of horse? How many has ridden maybe a quarter horse where it's tum, 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 tum. Yeah, those, it's difficult to drink in it. It's difficult to hold on when you ride one of those horses, right? Now, I mean, listen, I, I rode these Tennessee walking horses, and then we would go trail riding with some folks that had quarter horses, but we would take our racking horses, which are show horses that we took out of the show circuit and turn them into racking horses, still had that soft glide in the back, and I would see them doing all this bouncing. I'm just sitting there saying, hey, guys. You know, hey, trade that Volkswagen in for a Cadillac, I would tell them. <laughs> but the point is, we had to break these horses. And so we put this saddle on it, and then guess whose job it was to eventually get up on the saddle? Mine. And I was with my pastor, Brother Leonard Lindsay, and he raised them with me, and we, or I raised them with him, I should say. And, and, but he was older, and I didn't want him on the horses, so I would get on the horses. You know, there's something that comes along with youth. It's called just being stupid. Right? I mean, it's just there with just youth. Uh, it's just with all, I was the same way. I don't know that I would do it now, but back in the day, I'd jump on that thing in a minute. And I'd jump on that thing, and it would slam me up against the walls, and it would rear up, and it would carry on, and I would hold on. And, and I would just sit on it in the stall, very narrow stall that we had it in, just so it, I could start breaking it. But then the day come when we would take it out. And boy, putting the bit in this horse's mouth was so difficult, but we had to train him to get the bit in, and he was spitting it and chewing it and not receiving it, and that took a lot of training. But eventually, we were able to get this beautiful, strong animal out into the arena and ride that thing around and take it to shows because we finally harnessed the control of this animal, and that animal relinquished its control to me, the rider on that horse. And then I was able to call on it and just pull with my pinkies a little bit on the, on the reins, on the bridle, and make that horse do anything I wanted to do. Now question, who's stronger, me or that horse? The horse is a lot stronger, right? But that horse, I think that's a beautiful picture of what meekness is. It's power brought under control, okay? The Bible has a lot to say 
about meekness. And that's how we need to live our Christian life. We need to bring our power under control of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead us in and through our life on a daily basis. So the Bible, as you look through the the New Testament... You'll find that as you do a survey of the New Testament, it shows a lot of important virtues, but many of those are meekness. Look what it says in Galatians 5. I'm just going to give them to you as a reference here. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it lists meekness as one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Colossians 3 and 12, meekness is included as part of the clothing of the Christian. In James 1, tells us that meekness is the opposite of anger and moral filth. In Titus 3 and 2, tells us that the basic attitude that we are to have towards all people is meekness. In 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, it tells us that by a meek and quiet and gentle spirit, a Christian wife then could win her husband to the Lord. So all through Scripture, you'll see that we are commanded to live and exemplify meekness. Well, let's try to illustrate it. Let's look at meekness illustrated in Numbers chapter 12. This is the passage of Scripture I read to you earlier. And here I think it's a beautiful picture of meekness. Power brought under control. As I said earlier, there's only two people in the Bible that's ever been said of them that they are meek. One is Jesus, found in Matthew chapter 11. The other is Moses found in Numbers 12 and verse number 3 where it calls him a humble man. It's the same word as, as being a meek man. But I want you to see this meekness illustrated here with Moses in Numbers chapter number 12. Now, wait a minute. Let's think about the life of Moses. Before we get into this passage of Scripture, most of us, whenever we think about Moses, most of us say, I'm not so sure he was a meek man, right? I mean, just think about what Moses did. I mean, Moses is the one, listen, that in a fit, in an anger, right, he he killed the Egyptian and then he buried him out there. Later, he went toe-to-toe with Pharaoh, right, saying, let my people go to Pharaoh. Again and again, he summons the courage to stand toe-to-toe and face-to-face with the Pharaoh. Later, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. He then climbed Mount Sinai, And there, he he went up to be with the Lord to receive the Ten Commandments. I don't know about you, whenever I think about Moses, meanness is not the first word that really comes to my mind, right? Right? I mean, come on now. What about you? I think this strong man, right? I think this great leader. I think this man that's filled with courage. But he was also a very meek man. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, it calls him a humble man. But let's go back and look at the text once again. You really need to see the background of this story. You need to have a good understanding of what's taking place in Numbers chapter 12 really before you can see the meekness of Moses. Okay? In Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 1, the scripture I read to you, it says that Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. Why? Because of the Cushite woman that he married. Okay, let's just stop right there. They were upset. Miriam and Aaron were upset at Moses because of who he married. Okay? He married interracially. All right? A different race. He married. And they were upset and criticized him simply because he married this woman. Now, at this particular time, 
it was not forbidden. The law had not been given to them as far as Mary within uh, the Jewish race, if you will. The law had not been given for, to them for that yet, right? So it was not forbidden for him to marry at this time. And then they were upset because God was speaking to Moses. But before we go on, I want to go back to that verse number 1. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman that he married. They were upset because he married a different race. Question, church, is that a sin today, to marry a different race? The answer is no. Nothing in Scripture, nothing in Scripture teaches us that it is a sin to marry a different race race, right? What is a sin? The sin is to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That is a sin. Are you with me, church? Come on, guys, stay with me. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one in the building when you just sit there and look at me like that, right? Is it a sin to cross racial lines and marry someone else? The answer is no. Everybody say no. No. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, that's not a sin. Right? What is a sin? A sin is to marry someone who is not a believer. Right? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14 through 18, the Bible does forbid us to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But I just want to nail that right now. It is not a sin to cross racial lines and find a husband or a wife. Amen? Amen. Somebody should be applauding or saying amen or something right there because we live in this racially divided culture today. Even today. Sadly, we do. Right? Come on, guys. Stay with me here. I want Victory Church. And listen, I want you to know as your pastor, every race is welcome into this church. I don't care what race you are. Right? Everybody has a living soul. And I want our church to be a church that is open to all races. Now, when I do a wedding, the only way that I will perform a wedding is not as long as they're white marrying white or black marrying black or Hispanic marrying Hispanic or so forth and so on. The only way I'll do a wedding is if it's believer marrying believer. Right? Hello? has nothing to do with race. But here they were upset with Moses And God got very angry with them even about that. You're going to see that in just a moment. I just thought I would park there for a moment. A lot of people are afraid to even touch these things when it comes to the church and race. But I just want you to know where I stand, right? And if there's some people that have a problem with that and you can't make victory your home, then sorry. I told my wife this morning, I'm going to preach the word and we're going to do what's right if I'm the only one here on Sunday. I I hope somebody's with me here. Right? So they were upset. The Bible, I just want you to know, the Bible does not forbid interracial marriage. It does forbid marrying someone who is not a believer. Now, here's a bad sign taking place. When God calls a meeting, look back in, in Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 1. I want you to look. It says, in verse number 2, they said, Does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Do you think the Lord hears our murmuring? 
Yeah. Do you think the Lord hears our complaining? Yes. Yeah. Do you think the Lord hears your gossiping? Yes. yes. Hello? Murmuring, complaining. Here they were. Moses was the leader. He was the spiritual leader of the people. And here we had two other somewhat influential people. I mean, they were as well. They didn't necessarily like Moses leading what he was doing and the decision that he made and marrying this woman. So they started there just, just, just like it. It reminds me of a... Now, I don't want to offend anybody here if you have a chihuahua. But this reminds me of a chihuahua. Just a little yapping dog that just kind of nips at your heels all the time. And I, and I know that Harold is a mailman. And I guarantee you he has kicked his fair share of chihuahuas, right? And, 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 and listen... And the reason I know that is because I used to be a UPS driver when I would... Those little yapping dogs, I mean, they're not big enough to hurt you, but they just annoy the soup out of you, right? I mean, you just kind of kick them off and... But listen, that little, that little just being like a chihuahua and just saying little things about people and murmuring here and complaining there and gossiping here and biting there and taking an attack at someone here and there. Let me, let me just tell you something, church. God hears that. Hello? And I want you to know, he's not pleased when he hears that, right? He heard that. These are two very influential spiritual leaders that are serving alongside Moses and they are murmuring, complaining about some of the decisions that Moses had made and about how God was using him and God was speaking to him. And the, does, is, God the, is he the only one that God speaks to? Don't you know that I am a man of God too? And they started this, this yakking. Just let me tell you something. We better be careful what we say. God hears us. Are you with me, church? He heard them. Does your Bible say the Lord heard it? My Bible says the Lord heard it in verse number 2. And Moses was a very humble man, more so than any man on the face of the earth. And suddenly, listen to it, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. As I've already mentioned to you, the Lord God is calling a meeting with, with these three. And he said, you guys come out here. I want to meet with you. And this anger is raging in the Lord. So the three of them went out, and then the Lord descended in, in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance to the tent. And he summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two of them came forward, he said, Listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. And I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is a faithful in all my household. And I speak with him directly and openly or face to face and not in riddles. And he sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You see, God is even questioning them as an individual. Why were you not fearful to even speak against Moses? You know that I speak with him face to face. You know that I speak with him directly. You know that I have appointed him to be the leader of my people. You know that I have called him here, but you're trying to destroy him and you're trying to tear him down. Do you not have any fear in your heart whatsoever? The Lord's anger, get this, burned against them and he left I don't know about you but it's not good for Aaron and Miriam right now God is upset with them okay and as the cloud moved away from the tent here comes the judgment 
Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased as white as snow. Maybe I'm the only one that sees the humor in this. Do you see the humor in this? Where's the humor? They were upset that he married a black woman. So he turned her white as snow. Am I the only one that sees the humor in that? Come on, church. Stay with me here. He gave her the disease of leprosy. She turned white as white could get, white as snow. And Aaron, when he saw that, now now all of a sudden, Aaron wants to be Moses' very best friend. (laughs) Moses, God bless you, brother. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I love you. Amen, right. Amen. Turn to, calm God down is what he's saying, right? We know that we have sinned. I don't know. I just thought I'd point that out. I just love reading the Bible and just kind of just taking it face value as it is. And just, to me, I'll just see some, our God has a sense of humor. You, you upset about that? There you are. Boom. Leprosy, white as snow. And when Aaron turned toward her and he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, here's where he becomes his best friend. My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin that we have so foolishly committed Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when it comes out of her mother's womb. Now, here's what I find ironic. You may say, what does all of this have to do with Moses being meek? Well, the question that I want to ask you is this. Where was Moses when all this was going on? Right there. Now, he summoned those two to step forward. He said, the three of you meet me at the tabernacle, the tent. He come, God comes down in this cloud, stands at the door, and he says, you two, and I'm not pointing to you two, I'm just pointing right down there. <laughs> you two, step up here. And he calls Aaron and Miriam up. And they come up and stand before him. Moses is right there the whole time. Question, what was Moses doing? Nothing. What was Moses saying? Nothing. You know what I see here? I see a picture of meekness. I see Moses being meek. To me, I think this is a beautiful example in the midst of all the criticism he was getting. Right? He allowed the power... Listen, was, was Moses a powerful man? Yeah. He had God on his side. I promise you, God plus one in any majority... Or, or God plus one makes a majority in any situation. Right? And everybody knew that Moses was walking with God. But Moses didn't say anything to Aaron, nor did he say anything to Miriam. And I want you to look how he responded to the request that Aaron asked of him. Aaron told Moses, forgive us. We've sinned foolishly. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten when he comes out of her, his mother's womb. Aaron is asking Moses to heal her. And Moses says, no. You, you're getting what you deserve. Right? Uh-uh. Are you kidding me? All the headache I've received from you two? You're getting what you deserve. Aaron, are you crazy? Why, you need the same thing she gets. And just wait, God's going to get you too. I mean, all of these are responses of the flesh, right? Moses, <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh, Aaron, I, I'm enjoying this way too much. Hello? Mm. 
Get them, Jesus. <laughs> Get them, God. Sick them. Pour it on them. He, he fires a coal on their head. A lot of us get so much comfort out of that passage of Scripture, don't we? God, get them. He coals of fire on their head. That's not a meek spirit. But Moses says, God, please heal her. I don't know about you. When I see that, I see meekness. Power under control. Moses didn't fight back. He did not answer his critics. He did not get angry. He did not seek revenge. He did not argue. He did not try to explain his actions. He did not complain about his unfair treatment. Instead, he was silent and he just let God take care of his cause. Power under control. And then he openly prayed for God to bless Miriam and heal her and he did not strike back that my friends is a beautiful illustration of meekness Amen. now can we do that in and of ourselves? Mm -mm. we can only do that supernaturally we can only do that when we are walking in the spirit we can only do that when we are surrendered and completely submissive to the will of God in our life and we are following the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're allowing Him to be on the throne in our life. And we're being totally submissive to His will. You see, guys, it was meekness that gave Abraham the courage to leave Ur of the Chaldees. It was meekness that enabled Joseph to withstand Potiphar's wife. It was meekness that led David into the Elah Valley. It was meekness that sustained Daniel in the lion's den. It was meekness that gave Mordecai the courage that he needed to approach the king. The same for Esther. It was meekness that gave her the courage as well. And great people of God all through the Bible were people who exemplified meekness. What is that? Power under control. Is meekness weakness? No, my friends. It is just the opposite. It is realizing that you have tremendous power, but you are submitting that under control of the Holy Spirit in your life and Him working in and through you, right? And we're submitting to that and allowing God to fight our battles and, and allowing God to work in and through our life. Meekness. The Lord said, Blessed are those who are meek. Well, Let's get to the third and the final thing here. Actually, I want to give you two f closing thoughts here. Let's look at that applied. How do we apply this meekness to our life? And what does that look like? And I think I have a slide for that. There's three things I want you to jot down when he puts the slide up there about meekness. Meekness looks like these three things. Number one, it's gentleness when provoked. Meekness is gentleness when provoked. When they take stabs at you, when the critics come, when they spread false rumors about you, how are we reacting to all of that? Meekness says, God, I'm trying my best to serve you. And I have people attacking me. And even in our church, I, I have people attack me all the time. And I try my very best not to retaliate. Say, God, just help me to be meek in this situation. Listen, guys, it's easy to be meek when everything's going well in your life. It's challenging to be meek when the attacks come. Moses was being attacked. 
I find great comfort that Moses just stood there being God's man with his mouth shut. And that's what we all need in our life. Just let God. The second thing I want you to write down, it's boldness in the face of evil. It's looking evil square in the eyes. It's looking, it's looking that situation square in the eyes and just being bold in the Lord and just simply trusting God. It's boldness in the face of evil. Thirdly, it's being open and approachable by others. Right? Moses was open towards Aaron. Aaron at this time was his enemy, was the one trying to start a coup under him, the one trying to, to tear down Moses. But Moses allowed Aaron to speak into his life. And then Moses even answered in the affirmative Aaron's request. And he prayed and asked for healing for Miriam. So it's being open and approachable to others. True meekness is simply just ultimate power under God's control. Let me give you the promise and I'm done. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed, happy are the meek. But then he gives a promise. And I'm going to close out with this one for they will inherit the earth. Well, what does that mean? Guys, let me ask, and I kind of illustrated this with the kids just a little bit. The promise is that we will inherit the earth. Well, how can that be? Because right now, the wicked rule the earth, right? Matter of fact, the Bible teaches that Satan is the prince and the power of the air, okay? Of, of this world system, now I'm not saying everybody that's, that's in a position of authority is evil and wicked. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about this world system that we live in is wicked. It's vile. It's corrupt. It's evil. It's led by Satan himself. He is the prince of the power of the air, the Bible teaches us. Okay, The, the world system is controlled and ran right now ultimately by, by Satan himself. Now understand, he only has as much power as God allows him to have Right? And ultimately, the Lord's coming back one day to actually sit on David's throne and rule and reign this earth for a thousand years, right? The Bible plainly teaches us that in the book of Revelation. But I want you to see here the promise is those that are meek, those that are gentle, that one day you'll rule the earth. But the world looks at that today and says, There's no way. Listen, I am the most powerful, I am the strongest, I am the most influential, and I'll do everything. It, it takes to get here, and I'll do everything it takes to stay here. No one's going to dethrone me, so the wicked say. But Jesus has something else entirely in mind, right? I mean, one day he's going to come, and he's going to kick all of them off the throne, and he's going to rule and reign this earth for a thousand years, and the meek, the Bible says, are going to be able to rule with him. You see, really, in all reality, we have the best of both worlds. You see, we are forgotten, yet we reign. We are despised, yet we are blessed. We are reviled, yet we are defended by God. Listen, we as believers have the best of both. Hello? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let me ask you a question. This is one for all of us. Matthew chapter 5. Are we poor in spirit? Do we realize we have nothing? We're totally empty spiritually when it comes to being forgiven, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, when it comes to inherit heaven. Nothing but the cross of Jesus. Those who mourn, when we mourn over our sin, 
we're comforted because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us, us of all sin. So there's great comfort there. And then we are gentle. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. I wonder as the band comes, and just let me ask you a few questions in closing here. How are things with you? I mean, in your own personal life, we look at the life of Moses. Moses was being attacked big time. But he chose not to retaliate. Guys, there's no way you can do that by yourself. Are you with me? There's no way you can do that in the natural the only way you can exemplify a spirit of meekness is in the supernatural. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life. Allowing the Lord to fight your battles. You know, sometimes that's a lonely place to be, isn't it? Right? Think about Moses. The leader of these millions of people. But he was probably the loneliest guy in the bunch. You'd say, but he's surrounded by so many. Just being surrounded by people doesn't fill the void of loneliness that's in an individual's life. And then Moses being attacked by those he trusted most. Right? Aaron and Miriam attacking him by those that he had partnered with to lead the people to do ministry. Boy, that, that's painful. It hurts. Right? Come on, guys. Are you with me? It hurts. We've all been there. Isn't it amazing how some of the people that we love and care for the most are the ones that turn around and seem to hurt us the most? Isn't that sad? But when all that's taking place, don't retaliate. Only do this in the supernatural. Live a meek life. Let the Lord fight your battles. The battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. Right? Just be faithful. Look to Him. Ask for grace that they sang about earlier. Ask for strength. The pioneers always take the arrows. call the shots, you're going to take the shots. Are you with me? In life, it's going to be difficult sometimes. In whatever venue you're in, you're going to have those that criticize you. You're going to have those that attack you. How are you responding when all that happens? Does it hurt? Oh, yes, it hurts. Deep, deep. I can't even begin to tell you the depth of the hurt. So deep. Got one or two choices. We can choose to focus on that, or we can focus on our God. And oftentimes, I have to go all the way back to where I started, remind myself why am I doing this anyway? Because I tell you something, folks. There are days when I don't even want to do this anymore, and I'm sure you face the same thing. I'm sure there are days when you're thinking, why in the world am I even trying to be a Christian? Why am I? back to the beginning. Go back to the cross. Go back to where you fell in love with Jesus. Go back to where you saw Jesus working and moving in your life. Go back to that first love. 
Bible would say. And remember why you are where you are today. Because we as a people have chosen to follow our God. Right? And we must remember that this is not our home. We're just pilgrims. We're just sojourners. We're just strangers passing through. Listen, this is not where I'm going to retire. This earth. Right? I'm going to be with the Lord one day. And my focus is on Him. And I'll get up every day to try to live the best I can for Him. So that He gets the glory in my life. Do I stumble and fall? Yeah, we all do. But my goal is to please Him, to live for Him, that one day I can stand before Him and hear Him say, the only approval that I'm living for in this world is not the approval of any man. It's the approval of my God. One day, I want to hear Him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. That should be all of our cry. That should be what our plea is. So don't get distracted by the things in this world. Don't get distracted by other people. Don't get distracted when the critics come. Don't get distracted when the rumors fly. Don't get distracted when the attacks come your way. Keep your focus on the Lord. Stand with boldness in the Lord in that situation. And wait for God to show up. He did for Moses and He will for you. And then turn around and bless those who criticize you. That, my friends, is meekness. Moses did that in Numbers chapter 12. And I stand in awe of that man. I don't know what you're facing. And I don't know what you're going through. But I hope and pray you're going through it with Jesus. And if you're not, I hope you'll turn to him today. But as you're going through it, just look to him. He'll see you through it. He'll walk with you hand in hand. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. I will bless you. I love you. I care for you. I'm here for you. Look to me. We will get through this thing. Jesus says, I know how to finish it well. And we all know that he knows how to finish it well. Right? He's saying, I can get you through this. Look to me. Keep a meek spirit about you. Keep a, everybody say, keep a meek spirit. Keep a meek spirit about you. Walk through this thing in the supernatural and I'll bless you. That's exactly what he did for Moses. Father, right now for this time of invitation, let's all stand together if you will, please. Father, in this time of invitation, right now, Lord, we commit this time to you. And every single one of us, I know, have come to difficult places in our spiritual journey, just like Moses did. And I pray, God, that you would give us all the spirit of Moses. Help us to walk in the supernatural as he was. Help us, God, to look to you and talk with you and commune with you directly as you were with Moses through your word. Help us to walk hand in hand with you. And at the end of the day, help us to live a meek life. And the longer we're in this thing, the more battles we're going to face, the more criticism is going to come our way. God, help us not to get hard and bitter, and it's so easy to do. Help us to remain soft and humble and meek as Moses was. And then at the end of the day, may we be strong enough as Moses was to pray for those 
pray for blessing on those that are criticizing us. And God, be able to watch you move in their life. Father, give us all a spirit of meekness. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.